0: Well, here we are. Welcome to the Magic Hour. Joining you as your co-hosts, my name's Paul Bevan. I'm CEO and founder of Magic Valley. And I'm Andrew Laslip, the Head of Research and Development at Magic Valley. We're using this podcast to bring our listeners up to speed with what we're doing at at Magic Valley, uh, introducing the concept of cultivated meat, talking about our story, uh, and having on uh, in future episodes uh, a number of different guests to talk about different topics.
1: Yeah, and hopefully the language that I use, which is going to be mostly science-based, will be understandable to Paul, who's a business-based background.
0: So. Absolutely. Let's hope so. Uh, some of the content we'll cover will be, as Andrew mentioned, uh, the science of, of what we're doing, but, but also the business aspects as well. And uh, really covering off the you know, the story, particularly today, of uh, how Magic Valley got started. Uh, and we'll expand that as we uh, begin further episodes. And uh, look, we're completely unscripted. So uh, it'll be very conversational. And um, yeah, hopefully you uh, get a bit of an insight to what we're doing at Magic Valley and, and the brand itself.
1: So, Paul, do you want to give a little bit more of an introduction about yourself,
0: introduce the listeners to the real Paul Bevan? Absolutely. Absolutely. Thanks for that, Andrew. So, um, yeah, look, obviously, uh, as founder of the company, um, there's a bit of a story behind uh, how how we got started, and and we'll get to to how we met as well, Andrew, but... um, Obviously, uh, it's been a, it's been quite a quite a journey with the, the company being established uh, back in 2020, and um, you know we've been going for a few years now. But I guess in terms of the backstory, we, I really got started you know a long long time before that, and you know, going back even further still, back to my childhood. Um, you know, growing up as a as an only child with a you know, really hardworking single mom, I spent a lot of time at home alone uh, with all of our animals. So you know, we had dogs, cats, uh, mice. Uh, fish, lizards, chickens, you know, a really typical, I guess, Aussie, uh, you know, suburban backyard. And, um, you yeah, know, not long after that, I actually went vegetarian uh, as, as a teenager and, you um ended up going uh, vegan um, you know, probably about nine years ago now mm-hmm. as, as well. So, um, yeah, look, always uh, had a, had an interest in, in, in animals and um, you know, a real desire to um, you know, see what I could do to really remove animals from the supply chain, which um, yeah, really is my life mission. So um, I was doing uh, a whole lot of different things uh, in terms of my veganism. So not long after going vegan, I actually uh, got introduced to a, a really well-known vegan activist, And um, I was encouraged to to get involved in in activism, which, you know, made made sense to me. Um, So that's something that I did. Uh, Spent a lot of time um, doing different things in terms of uh, outreach, you know, speaking to to people, you know, about their dietary choices, you know, about, you know, uh, intensive animal agriculture and, and how that affected animals. And um, uh, getting involved in in different forms of of activism as well, you know, not just talking to people but but leafleting, um, doing those sorts of things and, um, you know, trying to spread the message basically and have conversations with people, you know, in all different mediums, whether, you know, that was in person or online or whatever the case may be. But um, I I really found that to be um, really time-consuming and um, the, the impact that that had was... Um, yeah, not as great as I was hoping it, it would be. Um, I think a lot of people um, that discover, you know, veganism at some point in their life, and um, obviously people have different reasons for for going vegan. But you know, if you do want to, you know, remove, you know, um, the, I guess uh, the animal involvement in your you know, product choices as as a consumer for whatever reason. You know, uh, you typically you know, want to tell other people about you know this insight that you've had that you know you want to share with people, and uh, the reaction to that is not always as you'd expect or, or hope. You know, um, lots of people um, love animals, um, uh, but don't really or aren't really aware, I guess, of the um, uh, the consequences of their decisions when you've been brought up. You know, consuming particularly you know meat products. Um, animal products, whether it's milk, dairy, um, you know, animal flesh products, um, or, or even how we use uh, animal products in our you know, day-to-day lives. You know, it's really involved in, in, in almost every product um, uh, that, that we use. But uh, anyway, not long after that, I, I got involved um, with a political party, the Animal Justice Party, um, doing more activism um, with them. Um, and again, actually ran for the uh, 2016 uh, federal election, um, up in Queensland where I was living at the time, so uh, at the top of the, the Senate ticket there and, and getting really involved with uh, the party in Queensland and actually became national treasurer of the party, so all across uh, Australia. Um, and, th- and really the, the, the goal of the party was really to enact um, you know, legislative change in terms of you know, protection of you know, animal welfare and, and animal rights. So that was, that was really my, my main focus for a number of years. Unfortunately for me, I felt that the pace of change just really wasn't happening quick enough and so I was spending a lot of time, um, you know, with those types of activities that I just found to be, you know, really ineffective Um, and that's not to say that, um, you know, change hasn't happened since, it certainly has, but for me, it's just not moving fast enough and so, Um, that led me to to explore different options and one of those was, um, doing a whole lot of research, you know, particularly around technology and obviously, you know, being vegan myself, um, you know, I was very aware of plant-based products and and plant-based alternatives. Um, I was certainly interested in, in that space, but I'd also known that from, you know, talking to, you know, people, hundreds of people one-on-one about their, their dietary choices, people weren't really interested in in plant-based products there was a real desire even even when presented with you know the knowledge that that, that I had and, and many mm. other people have around um, you know, the treatment of, of animals in the in the supply chain they still it wasn't really you know enough for them to change their um, behavior in sure. terms of the, the products that, that they were consuming so it became pretty obvious to me that um, most people wanted to continue, continue to consume animal products um, based on the conversations that I had had in person, but also from you know, researching um, you know, behaviour change and, and what um, drives behaviour change. And you know, what became obvious as well through that research was that you know, simply you know, um, ethical or environmental considerations are really not the strong enough motivator for people to um, create lasting or develop lasting behavioural change. And particularly when it comes to your diet, you know, food consumption is very personal to, to everybody, a, as it should be. And so during this research, I was exploring um, different options and and researching different technologies. And uh, at that time, happened to read um, a really well-known book. And and that book was uh, Clean Meat by Paul Shapiro. And Paul Shapiro is a, uh, a really well-known uh, activist himself with the Humane Society in the US. Um, and he really covered off in, in that book, which was in the very early stages. So we're talking back uh, probably 2018 at this stage, um, his experience with um, different uh, alternative protein products and particularly cultivated meat products or as it was referred to then, clean meat products, hence the, hence the title of the book. But one of the really, um, I guess, uh, prescient, uh, quotes that that came out of that book, attributed to to, to Paul Shapiro, is that uh, Henry Ford did more for horses than animal rights activists ever did, and that and that quote was is, is one that really it really hit home hard for for me, and Definitely. so. As you can as you can tell from the quote it, it's not it's not a um, it's not a knock on you know activists or activism which are obviously you know very important you know not just in you know vegan um, rights or animal rights uh, movement but you know in all sorts of uh, areas you know, human rights obviously is a major one so um it's it's not a, it's not a, just an outright knock on, on activism but in terms of having impact and effectiveness you know going from you know the horse and cart to an automobile has had a much bigger impact than mm. you know activism has ever had in the lives of horses in in this example, and so and what it's really saying is that you know technology uh, it just has an undeniably massive impact on on how we live our lives. And you know, to, you know take to today for example, you know we we're walking around with you know um, smartphones, we have computers in our pockets. Um, you know, you and I don't want to talk out of school here, but you know, you and I going out, we didn't even have the internet, you know, at, at school and, and, and those sorts of things. Yeah, and look now here we are. Uh, you know, in a studio filming a, filming a podcast. So, um, you know, no, no one can deny the impact of, of technology. And so, you know, that really hit home really hard for me. Thinking about, you know, the development of, of clean meat or cultivated meat as we now refer to it, if we could create a product that tastes identical to, to real meat, which obviously plant-based meat substitutes or, or any other substitute products can't replicate that because they're not meat um, so creating a real meat product so from an animal which uh, in our case you know or in everyone's case you know you're starting with the cells from from the animal but you know if we can create a real meat product that involves no harm to the animal so no no animal slaughter um, you know we'll get into the process you know maybe later today or in a future episode around the, the process but um, a real meat product, um, that people are familiar with eating, it's the same taste that they're familiar with, the same texture, the same mouthfeel. If we could create that product or recreate that product without any animal slaughter, we had the ability to alter the nutritional profile because if we're doing that you know, in a uh, controlled environment, in a lab, for example, where we can uh, add um, certain um, nutrients that we want to. It might be, you know, as you know, additional protein content, um, omega threes, uh, vitamins, minerals, etc. And we can remove some of the the less desirable uh, nutritional profile, uh, nutritional aspects of the of the product, such as you know, saturated fats and, and other things. That um, is a a more sustainable choice and obviously a more ethical choice than a traditionally fat farmed uh, animal meat product, then to me that would just become the obvious choice. So if a consumer, a meat eater is presented with those two products, cultivated meat would be the obvious choice. Now obviously price comes into it as as well, but if you can create the exact same product that's actually probably a better product when you think about it in terms of the nutritional profile, then that would become the obvious choice for the consumer. It wasn't wasn't going to be a a plant-based product. That that just didn't make sense to me. A lot of people said to me when I first started, oh, why don't you create a plant-based meat business? You know, that would be great. But, you know, as we know, you know, the market for that is, you know, somewhere between 2 and two and 5% of the general population, you know, 95% of the population are, are meat eaters. And so, again, just from my personal experience of, you know, talking to people about dietary change, uh, change I, I knew that, uh, you know, people weren't interested in a, plant-based product they weren't interested in a slightly better tasting plant-based product people wanted to eat meat and that's been that's been the instance for decades if not hundreds hundreds of years and so you know developing a, a plant-based product that you know tasted slightly better than what was you know currently available on the market that you know that might be great for vegans and vegetarians that enjoy those products but if you want to have you know massive change and have the impact that I wanted to, to have in terms of um, you know, being able to you know, potentially remove animals from that supply chain, that you know, a plant-based uh, product wasn't going to cut it. And so it had to be uh, a real meat product. And this was just, it's become really obvious to me. Um, it just became the, the obvious decision for, for me to make and, and the path for, for me to go down. And, and that's where this really all, all sprung from, that, those times.
1: Interesting. Um, um, w- as you're talking about that, I'm, I'm remembering the, the very first time we met and I'm wondering whether you remember what I said to you when you proposed the, 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 the possibility of us working together um, at the time. I was at the, at the CSIRO and uh, do you remember what I, what I said to you when you said, oh, oh look, um, obviously this is possible, we should be doing this. Do you remember what I said?
0: Uh, not, not the exact words but I remember the sentiment for sure. <laughs>
1: Yeah, what, I, I'm, uh, my background is I'm a, a fairly hardcore scientist and I live by the motto from public enemy, or don't believe the hype. And um, I told Paul, well, that, that all sounds good, but I don't know if any of it's true. We uh, Show me some proof that that, that can work. Um, uh, show me that we can make uh, cells from animals without using any other animal products and turn those into meat products. Um, I, I haven't seen, um, peer reviewed evidence of that. So that was, that was a few years ago. We've gone on a bit of a journey since then.
0: Absolutely. And it's really interesting that you, that you mentioned that because, um, uh, I spent a long time researching the, the area and, um, Spoke to uh, a lot of uh, other scientists as well, right, right across the world. Mm-hmm. So you know, obviously we're based uh, in Melbourne here in here in Australia, but yeah, look, I spoke to, to people right across the world, and um, uh, you know, uh, your, your your approach to that, as you've just described it, um, was really one of the main reasons that that I wanted to to work with you, and that I knew that I wanted to work with you because you know, I I I knew what was uh, being done. Uh, in a lot of instances, uh, internationally, and what what other people were, were were trying to do, and I spoke to yeah, look a lot of um, a lot of other people who, to, to be quite frank, I, I didn't I didn't believe what they were what they were telling me. And you, you know, being really um, yeah upfront and honest about you know what you thought was was possible, um, really really drove me to, um, you know, pursue a, a working, ongoing working relationship um, um, with you, which was, um, you know, it was able to build, you know, great trust over time because, mm. you know, that's that's really the foundation of what we're doing. Uh,
1: absolutely. Uh, and um, similarly with Paul um, in terms of the way he's presented himself to me and the, and the very clear ethics behind what he's trying to do or what we are trying to do now, um, it's it's absolutely crystal clear and something I agree with. I'm, I'm what drives me is not necessarily coming from just an, uh, an animal perspective, but what I see from the flow on effects from the development of cultivated meat is that we're going to need to use way less land for the production of food for humans. And therefore we can plant more trees. Therefore we're going to have a, a, a large impact on climate change and that, is going to be better for the planet as a whole, the humans, the animals, and, and everybody that's left on the planet. So uh, that, that's, that's what gets me up in the morning. Plus, uh, espresso, well, too.
0: <laughs> <laughs> You're certainly well known for those. Um, yeah, look, yeah, hundred percent right. And so, look, my obviously driver for you know developing you know cultivated meat products is as I've mentioned the the animals. But as as you rightly point out, there's so many other benefits mm-hmm. you know to you know cultivated meat um, production, and um, you know whether that's around you know land use, water use, um, potentially energy use as well. Um, Food safety, food mm. security, you know, I know um, in terms of your background, you know, we've spoken a lot about, you know, uh, antimicrobial resistance and and those sorts of things. But, yeah, look, the, the benefits to cultivated meat are just are so wide and varied, which is it's really funny to think about now because, you know, if you just reflect on our initial mm. conversation and if you think back, you know, four years ago, people were telling me that, Basically, I was crazy. Like, you know, this, this wasn't going to happen. It's not a thing. No one's, no one's going to want to eat cultivated meat. And again, you know, oh, you should just start a plant-based business, et cetera, et cetera. But uh, I haven't heard from those people in quite a while, actually. Uh, hopefully, they can come and um, buy the product eventually. <laughs> exactly, exactly. Look, uh, look, you know, we've still got a fair way to go and the industry does as a whole. But, I mean, I think it's pretty clear now that, um, you know, this is going to be a burgeoning industry and it is the way forward. Yeah, absolutely. So, um, do you want to talk about where
1: Magic Valley started? Where the name come from? The, the the specific you talked a lot about the 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 drive behind and leading up to Magic Valley forming, but do you want to talk more specifically about where where the name came from and? And why the company was formed?
0: Yeah, sure. So um, yeah, there's not a uh, there's not some um, famous uh, like origin story with the name. It's actually quite practical, really. I was um, looking for, you know, obviously uh, you know a name that you know, holds you know, strong branding and a strong branding position. I know a lot of scientists don't like the word magic. I think that turned probably you and a, and a lot of people um, off. But um, you know, we're talking about a, a you know, food product here and. I basically um, basically came up with quite a, you know, a few different names that, that I thought would be uh, potentials. I'm just trying to think of some of the some of the other ones that, that I had at the at the time, but um, none of them are springing to memory at the moment. But um, there were some pretty um, pretty out there ones. But anyway, yeah. Look, I basically um, uh, I haven't really spoken a lot about um, you know my background in in terms of um, you know, the other businesses that, that I've been involved in, but but one of them involved um, you know, quite a lot of um, Online marketing and, and digital marketing, and that I, I, I knew, you know, a lot about, you know, AB testing and, and those sorts of things. So yeah, look, I, I basically set up some um, some uh, some online ads, some some Facebook ads, testing out a whole lot of different uh, images mm. uh, and 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 brand names to to see um, and, and targeted those at. Uh, uh, meat eating con- consumers to to see you know what was the most clicked basically mm-hmm. um, you know different landing pages for you know the different brands and you know all that sort of thing and Magic Valley was by far the the the, the winner you know so I set up set, set up ads you know here's our new burger you know um, uh, you know all the benefits and that sort of thing and yeah just different brand names and yeah, Magic Valley was yeah by far the, the preferred choice so yeah look it's not as 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 mystical or, or um you know there's not such a fantastic story behind it it's more of a practical one
1: so there you hear it, listeners that's there's a scientific basis <laughs> to the choosing of magic valley
0: <laughs> exactly science stuck in there somehow i knew i knew you were going somewhere with <laughs> going somewhere with that like that's probably a good opportune time. i've been talking a lot about myself andrew maybe you want to talk a little bit more about you know your background and um, you know your extensive experience you know, with the technology that we're using and um yeah just a bit more about your experience and interest as you mentioned in in cultivated meat yeah
1: sure so um I, I grew up in Melbourne. I'm, uh, uh, interested in a lot of sports. I'm interested in science as most, uh, 17, 18 year olds didn't really know what I wanted to do. Um, my, my mum was a teacher and my, my dad was a, an organic chemist. Um, so I was somewhat nudged into doing a science degree as a, a way of not cutting off too many options to have a lot of, lot of options. Um, I, Then got through my science degree and specialised in biochemistry and immunology, did a PhD in reproductive endocrinology, uh, looking at um, aspects of male fertility, and then had an opportunity around the year 2000 to change careers to work on a really new area of science uh, called uh, pluripotent cell biology. So. Pluripotent just means able to turn into anything. So these are are stem cells. And and what year is that around? So that was 2000. I first met the guy that I went to work with and Mm -hmm. started working um, with Professor Martin Perra in 2001 who who, um, co-led the team um, to produce the first uh, human pluripotent stem cell lines that were made in Australia which were the second in the world. And I, I arrived about... A year after they'd done that, and so was one one of the first people in the country to be to be working on that um, type of technology, from about two thousand and
0: one. Amazing, and were you always going to be a scientist, or uh, what were some of the other considerations for you? Uh,
1: no, I was always going to be a um, an NBA basketball player. Um, when I was at high school, that I was um, had my heart set on um, um, being paid to play basketball. Didn't, didn't quite work out. I was quite tall as a 12-year-old and, and stayed about that height. So um, I was pretty good when I was 12 but um, basically people grew up around me. So thankfully I had something else to, to fall back on.
0: Uh, I mean that sounds a little bit like my sporting career as well. I was a really big child too funnily enough and yeah it's, you, you do excel um, when you've got that physical advantage at a younger age. I think though, Andrew. <coughs> excuse me. I think you're. Um. I think you're being a bit modest though about your your sporting career. You did actually play high level both uh, basketball and football, didn't you? Uh, I did,
1: but um, it was
0: a very very long time ago, and um,
1: yeah, all of the people I played against are now in their fifties, so uh, <laughs> we're not going to dwell on that too much. But yeah, no, I, I played played basketball and and ended up playing a little bit of basketball in the US, um, Amazing. and um, uh, yeah. Um, and still enjoy, my... and I have two teenage children who played a lot of basketball, so still still watch a lot of basketball. But yeah, no. Uh, so in terms of knowing I was always going to be a scientist, I think um, I'm always in, enjoyed solving problems. But what really drives me is one, solving problems, but two, doing something that I think is going to help other people mm. or help the planet, and that that's the that's what drives me. I I don't like. The whole academic side of science, where it's it's, it's somewhat ego driven, and it's about what journal you publish your papers mm. in and things like that. I, I think there's a there's a value in publishing and getting the information out there, but the, the 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 prestige that's associated with that within academic circles is is not necessarily driving specifically to to translate into usable products that will help people. So whether that be on the human clinical side or whether that be in in terms of a food product. And that, that's where I, I really um, moved in my career. I think about 13, 14 years ago, I had the opportunity to move from a more academic environment to uh, the CSIRO at Australia, at Commonwealth scientific and industrial research organization, Australia's premier industry research organization, and really opened my eyes to more of what could be done in terms of using the technology that we developed and helping companies develop their their products and and actually creating jobs and making real differences in people's lives. And for a long time, working towards information that could potentially help people, have decisions to have other options in terms of treatments for for diseases that currently don't have um, good options for people. But that is really, really expensive and takes a really, really long time to to get to fruition. And when the opportunity arose through Paul and, and Magic Valley to apply my couple of decades of knowledge around how, a uh, cell, a pluripotent cell can both make unlimited quantities of itself. So that means football sized, uh, amounts of cells, but also be able to turn into any type of different cell. So the muscle cells required to make meat or the fat cells or connective tissue cells, um, it, I really, it was almost a light bulb moment to say, well, hold on. This can re- quite, um, I can see a really clear pathway between what I've learned over the last couple of decades in terms of both scientific skills, um, team management skills and interactions with with, um, commercial entities and industry and companies and what they want and what their drivers are to be able to really help um, push this nascent technology, this really early stage technology and push it forward to to become a, a real thing, to become a, a supermarket aisle option, to become a, a burger chain option for people to take up. So yeah, that that that's what's driving me there. The ability to to change people's lives for the better.
0: Yeah, that's fascinating. Obviously, you know that that tangible, impactful outcome is 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 really important. Do do you think that um, a lot of you know people that work in in the industry whether it's academia but just people in, in science feel a bit frustrated like like yourself in terms of you know not being able to see tangible outcomes from all the work that they're, that they're doing that actually has an has an impact just was i mean my, my um exposure to it's obviously quite limited and only been in the in the past few years but um just from people that you know we, we have approached us to you know come and work at magic valley um People we talk to throughout the industry—it just seems to be a, a common thread. Yeah, look, there's definitely look, there's
1: there's people for whom the academic lifestyle is the right place for them to be, and it works great. But for for others, um, uh, it's there's definitely more opportunities out there at companies, startups like Magic Valley, where it's a much more flexible, dynamic, non bureaucratic environment where you. You get to test your ideas really quickly. You got to move at super speed to, to get things done. Otherwise, you don't get to survive. And it's, it's, I mean, in some ways, I'm really privileged to have the luxury to be able to do this as a, uh, having had a, a really good academic career to, to get to where I'm at already and then be able to switch to this. So it's not always simple to to jump from a big structured environment in the university or a research organization. But, um, uh, what I'd say to people that are interested in doing that is, um, just talk to people. It's all about your networks. It's about, um, seeing what's out there, seeing what drives you. And if you can see how your skills translate to help a, a small startup company or a company that you want to start, there's, there's opportunity out there. And, and it, it may not be the best time at the moment to be raising venture capital, but it's, gee, it's, a, it's an interesting, aspect. I'm finding it absolutely fascinating learning from Paul as we're, as we're talking to, to, to VCs about funding the future of Magic Valley
0: yeah certainly a whole you know different world you know, particularly to, to academia um, that, that that's for sure I think it's a really good point that you, you make up about you know networking and talking to people as well because you know my backgrounds not in you know food my backgrounds not in science I don't come from, from academia I, I was starting from scratch when I was you know trying to, to find people to you know come and you know work with me on this at the time what everyone thought was a crazy idea um, you didn't think it was as crazy which was good but um, Oh, I didn't tell you yeah right thanks um miss you eventually um but yeah you know just just going and, and talking to to people you know I remember uh, I was living up in um Queensland at the time and you know going to to different universities and spe- speaking to people you know up there going to um you know biotech events and, and things like that you know full of super highly qualified educated you know scientists um with you know PhDs, multiple PhDs, had, you know, all these patents, had done all these work, all this work in all sorts of, you know, different areas. And, you know, there's me, it's, you know, 30 degrees up in Queensland. I'm in, you know, t shirt and, and shorts and, and just going to meet these people and talk to them because I was just trying to make connections. You know, I knew what I wanted to do, but I didn't have the skills to do it. And I had to find, you know, people with those skills to do it. And, you know, I got plenty of, you know, blank stares and people would just, I would, you know, introduce myself and people would just walk away. Like they just, I just didn't want to know. Like I just thought it was so far fetched, and you know I didn't look like a scientist, and but you know it's just knock on doors, knock on doors, create those networks, you know, some people. I don't know whether they, you know, found me humorous or took pity on me or whatever, but would help me connect with other people, and, and it really just expanded from there. So I think it's the same thing as well. You know, if you're looking to you know, leave um, you know, academia or, or you know what you're currently doing, it's, it, it is really about your, your networks. And do, uh, what I would say is, just don't don't be afraid to look silly. You know, get, go and ask those questions because if you don't do it, well, well, you're never going to get anywhere.
1: So um, for those of you who can see a little bit of Paul on camera or can't see him because you're listening on a podcast. Um, Paul doesn't look silly. Paul's a big guy that um, did a lot of um, mixed martial arts, and he's some, got some great tattoos. The very first time I, I met him, um, it was a I, don't know, I think it was a forty degree day yeah. in Melbourne, and we we met in St Kilda at a, at a, a vegan milk bar, and um, uh, I was like. Whoa, he doesn't look quite the same as he did down Zoom. Who is this guy? But um, I like to think I've got a pretty good bullshit detector and what I really liked about Paul was that it didn't go off at all. He he is absolutely clear in his communication, doesn't tell you things that aren't true and and sticks to his word. So it's... Anyway... Enough about the Paul Appreciation Society. Thanks, um, thanks,
0: for that. We, we got past how I looked, so that's that's good. But um, yeah, look, I mean, there's, there's a bit of a, I think a lesson in that in that for everyone, and that. Um, you know appearances aren't appearances certainly aren't everything that's that's for sure don't judge a book by its cover that's it that's that's the saying um interesting to know that okay well that's that's good now that i guess you know we touched on a little bit about um you know what you mentioned about you know stem cells and and that sort of thing maybe we should talk a little bit around magic valley um you know um the progress that we've made you know where we we started the progress we've made where we're up to and, and and what's coming up so i guess going back to those you know those early days when you know i first approached you um i think it was the end of 2019 it's seems like a that's that seems like a long time ago now but pretty sure that's that's when it was you know right before right before we really went into lockdowns and COVID and, and all that sort of thing we'd, we'd just started um working together before then but um yeah the the original idea obviously was uh as many of you uh as many of you might have seen um or know of or heard of Lucy the Lamb but um the the original idea was for us to you know to create cultivated meat products and to create a a cultivated lamb um, product, which uh, we worked on initially, um, and you know, there's a lot of uh, technicalities uh, or, or, or technical um, processes, I guess, in, you know, involved in that. I mean, obviously, we thrashed out. a – I actually think we worked on a strategy first, actually, around bringing bringing a product to market. Yeah, that was the first thing that we actually um, that we actually worked on, and then we got into the actual process of, you know cultivating some some cells you know taking a a skin scraping from um, Lucy the lamb uh, who I can assure everyone is still alive and well we get that question a lot another question we get is um, does uh, does Lucy live in the lab is another question she does not live in the lab I can also assure everyone of that Um, she does uh, live out uh, on a farm in her paddock with her flock Um, so yes alive and well so um, yeah just a Really non-invasive, you know, small skin scraping that that we started with, you know, cultivated those cells up. <laughs> Here I am talking about the science, when you're the expert, but um, uh, yeah, took that took that initial um scraping and we cultivated those cells and we did it all, you know, um, uh, you know, FBS animal product free in terms of the the cultivation. Um, and I think that was I, am I in saying that was the first time that's ever been? Yeah, done?
1: absolutely. Yeah, and, and so to to translate what Paul said into science ease, um those experiments were to see and to convince me that it was possible to take cells from a small scraping less than a fingerprint sized scraping from the from a newborn lamb and grow those cells in in a dish in a, in an incubator in a, in a laboratory without the use of any other animal products and it's not a normal thing that gets done even in, in research let alone in the production of food people use Old methods that require the use of a thing called FBS, that is a fetal bovine serum, which comes from um, pregnant cows. Um, so uh, we were able to to do that, and that that's what really gave me the first um, hint that this is this could quite likely be a very possible way to move forward in terms of making different species, not just Lucy, um, Lucy the lamb. Uh, of of stem cells that we could then turn into meat products
0: yeah yeah amazing i i, re- I remember now you're jogging my memory now about you your conservative approach I'm just remembering now It's I uh, um uh we continue with which is which is good you know I think um you know it's it's good to I don't say that in a negative way you know at, at all you know obviously um you know very scientific in, in your approach which uh, we we need to be with you know every, everything that we're doing and like I said before you know it's one of the things that I really appreciated you know about you in terms of you know your your, your cautious approach to to what we were doing but I'm, I'm glad I've convinced you and you know you're certainly on board now.
1: Oh absolutely and it's it's there's there's really good things about the scientific method and cautious approaches, but it it's also you, you can't I don't know, I'm terrible at, at um at sayings, but you can't lose sight of the trees for the wood or something. Um you, you've gotta see where you're going and the potential of what you're doing and also trust that even though at, the, at this exact point in time, you don't know exactly how to get their trust in the experiments that you set up that will give you the answer to go from step A to B to C to get to millions of burgers.
0: Yeah, uh, Absolutely, absolutely. And, I mean, it's a really good point because there's, I probably make it sound really quite easy but there's so many different you know aspects of, of what we're doing in terms of creating a you know a final end product so not only do we have obviously you know the cell biology side that you know you're um, certainly most familiar with you know there's a whole lot of other aspects once we get to you know growing those cells up and then growing the muscle growing the fat combining them you know then what is what does that Taste, what does the taste like what is the what is the texture like you know how do we how do we scale up production um, there's a whole lot of bioprocessing you know engineering type challenges um, as well as the, as the t- tissue engineering side of things and then you get to the, the actual food you know the food aspect so you know we were talking earlier today about you know the, the regulatory aspects you know the profile of the product all the safety testing you know that needs to go into into what we're doing but um you know we could talk about all you know there's a lot of challenges we' like to call them challenges there's certainly a lot of challenges you know with with the process I, I like to call them future podcast episodes future podcast episodes yeah fantastic fantastic where we just celebrate wins we, there's no there's no 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 losses um there's certainly challenges and look it, it, just going back to you know trying to get started you know we had uh, well I slash magic Valley had a, a lot of challenges in and just getting started like you know getting getting this company off the ground you know funding's one of them but the, but the other major one is you know access to facilities you right. know lab space which you know I've heard uh, other companies uh, in, in Australia uh, talk about as well. You know it's it's really difficult to get a for one of a better term you know biotech company um, started because there's just there's just not the, the access to facilities and 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 equipment that you know it's not like going and you know, hiring a, a an office or a warehouse or a podcast studio like. The lab spaces are really, really thin, thin on the ground and, you know, it's not surprising to me, you know, Australia is a very, very innovative country but uh, and, and innovative people, but, you know, having access to that infrastructure is crucial to to be able to enable that. You know, obviously, a lot of that's contained within, you know, universities and, and university settings, academic settings, and, you know, it's really difficult to, you know, certainly can't get, certainly can't get um, you know, simple access to that um, and, and it's really... It's really, um, it's really hamstrung, I guess, you know, by the um, the types of agreements that you know um, universities and that want you to enter into to, to access those those spaces and those facilities. You know, there's certainly benefits to it, you know, co- contract research and you know all those sorts of things. But then you run into you know IP issues, and it makes it, it makes it really difficult. So that was really one of the challenges that that we faced early on. It, it was lucky that we were able to do work with you, Andrew, at Syro.
1: Yeah, no, so that was yeah, that was uh, that's the first commercial relationship we had was doing yep. my team at CSRO doing contract research for Magic Valley. Yeah. Um, and, and that went went really, really well. Um, and, well, I don't know. if I, I tell this story to people so I might as well tell it on the podcast. Um, I uh, Paul had wanted me to come and work with him for a while and I, I think my answer was you can't afford me and, <laughs> and you have nowhere for me to work. <laughs> <laughs> and um, then... In early 2022, Paul came to me and said, "Hey, um, I shout out to Andrew and Sam at Colabs. I've got some lab space at a place called Colabs in Brunswick, um, which just happens to be just around the corner from where you live. And we're looking at um, uh, some office space just near there as well. Are you, are you interested?" And um, everything really fell into place, and it was—it's—it's it's, well, it's been the best career move I've made.
0: Well, that's good to hear. I'm, I'm glad. I'm glad you made that sound so simple. That uh, that three year gap, but um, certainly a, a roller coaster ride in in between there. You know where we um, you know tried to do different things. You know tried to access you know different you know facilities. Um, tried working with a, a number of um, you know, different people as as well. Um, we should we should mention the team probably too. Also, <laughs> it's pretty you know remiss of us not to not to mention everyone else involved. It's not not just you and I. But um yeah, you know, it certainly was a lot of a lot of challenges in, you know, getting started. And we could talk, I mean, I'm happy to talk about the funding side of things as well because um know there's not a lot of grants and those sorts of things available you know to to a cultivated meat company you know we sort of you know slip between the the cracks of you know we don't really fit into you know med tech or you know health tech and that sort of aspect um on the ag tech side of things you know it's um it's a little bit difficult to to gain traction um there as well and and you know whether there's acceptance there you know from the traditional um you know animal agriculture industry in terms of you know grants and support and those sorts of things well at least you know at least a few years ago it was you know i think maybe that's maybe that's changing a little bit now there's a bit more recognition of of where we are but you know there's certainly no there's certainly no pathway for um you know creating a a cultivated meat company you know it's we're doing everything for the first time
1: absolutely and look i think um where we're at now with the team uh, it is in a massive credit due to jacob goodwin who was the 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 first internal scientific employee of magic valley who has developed a lot of the, the intellectual property areas that we're working on and the, the technology that we're working on. And we, we absolutely wouldn't be sitting here in a podcast studio without him um, and, the, and the really great work he's put in in both before there was a laboratory and, and since since the laboratory is set up. And the, since um, or, uh, late last year, we've expanded the team to include uh, Wendy, and Molly, as, as a senior research assistant and research assistant in the laboratory and um, um, out of sight in this room, um, pushing the buttons, um, uh, Ella has joined us. has been fantastic in terms of helping us translate our um, science and business speak to the real world speak um, and getting communications out there. So
0: thanks, Ella. Absolutely. Yeah, look, uh, we're, we're really lucky to, to have a phenomenal team um, in terms of, um, you know, background, skill set. Um, and, and also, I would like to think, you know, the culture that we've that built, we've built as well and in terms of the mission in, in terms of, you know, what what we're trying to achieve. It's, uh it's certainly very humbling to be um, the dumbest person in the room all the time, which is uh, what I am. So um, it's, uh, yeah, definitely something to get used to. But um that's how you grow, you know? That, that's how you grow. That's how you, you you build anything whether it's, you know, your own personal skills or a business or, you know, whatever the case may be, you know, surround yourself with people that are smarter than you. That's always been my philosophy. <laughs> <laughs> I'm not sure I believe that, Andrew. I'm sure you're the smartest person in a lot of places. But um, just just going back to your point about Jacob, you know, Jacob is our head of innovation, and you know, has, has been outstanding. You know, in in terms of you know, Jacob, Jacob and I were working from home, both of us, you know, for for a long time before we got into during the during COVID. Yeah, yeah, before we got into the to the lab space, and you know, I'm glad that you mentioned um, the, you know the guys at CoLabs, You know, they've got a, you know, a great facility. Um, there that, you know, we've been lucky enough to to be able to, to get a space in. And I think they're, you know, one of only, you know, two facilities like that available, certainly in Victoria. And um, yeah, it's uh, you know, a lot of thanks really does have to does have to go out to them, you know, to enable us to 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 do what we're doing. Um also, you know, great that that you mentioned both um uh wendy and uh molly as well who you know who are doing some you know great work in the lab and if you follow any of our uh, social channels i'm sure you'll you'll see uh you know pictures of, of both of uh, them and obviously you know jacob and andrew as well and probably not as many of ala even though she's driving at all all the uh the marketing and con she likes to sit on the other side of the camera but um you know certainly keen to to get her on there as well and look um I guess just going back to you know a point we mentioned earlier, you know around if you want to move from you know science and you know, move into you know a different you know area or industry or 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 get get into a startup or start start your own startup, you know just being really proactive is is really key. And you know I won't I won't go into the details, but you know just being when we we get approached by a lot of people to to come and work with us and you know, people are just send their resume and, you know, they just see this, you know, shiny new industry that, you know, they want to move into. But um, as a business owner, I think this is one piece of advice I'd, I'd give to anyone. If you can show that business or that business owner how you can help them, so how you can tangibly help them, you know, what your skills are. Okay, look, I'm great at what's a, what's a good example, Andrew? Um,
1: I'm great at shaping Mince into burger patties that can help
0: us. Sure, yeah, that's not the example I was looking for, but um, you know, like whatever your skill set is, yeah, let's say it is. Let's say it is food science. You yeah. know, you you need to come if if you came to us and said, you know, this is where I can help you, and show us where you can help us. So you know, you might have an example of a. Uh, um, uh, some some mince meat at home and then you create all these designs and you actually show us that and you can actually show us how you can help us whether it's us whether it's another business but you can actually people sh- show people what your skills are and how that can you know tangibly benefit the business you're going to go straight to the top of that list and I don't mean to look at Ella <laughs> now without giving too much away but now that's sort of you know, exactly the approach you know Ella took, took with us and you know we weren't even hiring at the, at the time. We, we There was no position. You know, we weren't looking for anyone in particular. But, you know, Ella was really, really uh, descriptive in, in how she could help us and um, she's getting embarrassed now. Um, how she could help us, um, you know, with a lot of um, different aspects of the business that, um, quite frankly, we don't have the skills in and, and don't yeah. have the strength in, you know. And if she had have just written us an email saying, oh, I can help you with this, you know, I probably wouldn't have paid that much attention. But because she was able to show us with, you know, examples of, you know, what she could do and how that could benefit the business you know super impressive and you know i'd give that advice to anyone anyone looking to to work in any business small business large business if you can show people goes it goes a very very long way to 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 enhancing your uh your chances of of making that transition
1: absolutely and i think now seems like a really good time to shout out our instagram at (laughs) magic valley 2020 and our website at at www.magicvalley.com.au and uh Yeah, we we also have Twitter and Facebook and
0: YouTube, This podcast will obviously be going up as well. Yeah. LinkedIn, yep.
1: LinkedIn, yep. Definitely give us a follow on LinkedIn.
0: Certainly. Please. Any likes, follows, comments all all help
1: us. I forgot one, didn't I? TikTok. Oh, I forgot TikTok, (laughs) the most important the one where Paul dances every week.
0: (laughs) (laughs) That's not true. Do not listen to the do not listen to this man. Only listen to him when he talks about science, that is incorrect. All right, well, that's uh that's probably a good place to to wrap up today, Andrew. I know in uh, future episodes we're going to touch on you know a bit more of the the science and um, uh, you know, what goes into into what we're doing, and uh, I, I know we're going to talk a little bit more about um, you know future plans for for the business as well, which we can we can touch on then. Yeah, that's a good idea. Yep. Yeah, yeah. Let's let's uh, let's talk about that uh, in the next episode. And yeah, look, just. Thanks, thanks, everyone, for listening so far. Hope you got a little bit out of that uh, first episode. We'll be, um, we'll be f- uh, recording a number of these uh, podcasts going forward. Uh, as I mentioned earlier, you know, we'll be uh, keen to get some, some guests on as well to, to talk about, you know, different topics, experts in the area really to give you, you know, an insight not just into, you know, what we're doing, you know, here at Magic Valley but, you know, also in the wider cultivated meat space, in the food tech space, in the business space. Um, they're all different areas that, you know, we're certainly happy to, to reach out into. And,
1: um, yeah, thanks for listening to the Magic Hour.